Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm the daughter of your host, Matt Hotrick, and this is the episode number 503. We're back from Navigator of the Seas after our first Royal Caribbean Blog Cruise of the Year, and we recorded this week's episode on board the ship. Here we go. Morning, morning. It's not on, is it? No, no. <laughs> My wife says I do the best when it's visual. <laughs> morning, morning. <laughs> so, first of all, congratulations to Pinnacle. Thank you. Thank you. So, I'm Johan. I'm the captain. Good to see you all. Uh, I'm uh, Swedish, as you can hear from this uh, beautiful singing accent. Uh, but I met uh, a Canadian on the ships many years ago, six years ago, moved to, to Canada, in Kelowna, inside uh, Vancouver. So that's home now. And this is my handsome, friendly hotel bag. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, my name is Alistair, uh, hotel director, and uh, I come from a beautiful little country called Scotland. Uh, but I also... It's not really a country, That's up for some, some debate. Yeah, yeah. We won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, yep, and uh, similar, uh, I met a young lady working on board from Mexico, and uh, for the last 13 years I've been a Mexican. Or, no, I've lived in Mexico. I think that's what I meant to say, And I've been with the company since uh, 2007, uh, where I started on board this very ship. So... But I've been around quite a few of the ships since then. I think there's 20 of our ships I've, I've been able to work on. I don't know what that says about me. Frankly, I can't stay in the same place too long or they get tired of me, I don't know. But uh, very happily here on board the Navigator and I've been here for about the past year. So. Great. Well, I have a couple questions for you both. Um, I thought we could uh, answer. Um, first, we're going to play uh, Fact or Fiction. Uh, for the captain, you could some questions that I perused around. You can tell me if, it's, if there's truth to them, okay. or it's not, or it's complete fantasy. No, no I get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll start with an easy one. Stabilizers can't be used at a slow speed. Dubious. <laughs> they, they can be extended at any speed, but they don't make use. Because they're like a rudder on an airplane wing, so you need the, the water flow to, for them to work. And the more speed you have, the, uh, the more efficiency they have. So, on this one is seven knots that they automatically house. But in theory, they do some kind of use also in lower speeds. But the efficiency goes down a lot. Will you deploy the stabilizers always at a, at a higher speed, like no matter what the sea conditions are? No, because they... They do increase drag on the ship, so they do increase fuel consumption, uh, which we don't really want. Uh, so we, we stabilizers are great for rolling, but they don't help for, for pitching. So what we're doing now in this little bouncing is we're facing the, we're hitting the swell that comes. So for this, stabilizers do no really difference. So there's no point to having them extended now. But yesterday, morning, she started to roll a little bit, then we extended them because the, the, the swell come from a different direction. Okay, great. Uh, number two, there is a jail on board the cruise ship. That is very true. <laughs> 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 we, we, 
Is it is it like a single cell? Is it a closet? I mean, does it look like a jail that we see on land, typically, or is it more like a multi-use space? No, I mean there is there's two of them, but it's not really a jail, I have to say, where we're putting people to punish people because they committed a crime. So we do very very rarely use it. But it's only if we need to de-escalate the situation and we have something that we can't uh, control until we get to next board and law enforcement can take over it. It's very little use and most of the time people can go to the cabins, they sober up and things can't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the very, very rare occasions when it just goes, then, then we use, but it's very, very seldom. But it's not like a luxury experience, it's very like <laughs> a stainless steel uh, locked doors. I don't think that's exactly where you want to end up your crew. Um, if a guest is left behind in a port, like they just don't show up at all, um, maybe this is for Alistair as well, um, will you get their belongings out of the room and leave it at the pier? Semi-fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest, normally once we realize that they are not coming back, it's kind of a race against time. Obviously, we don't want to be delayed leaving port because it impacts upon arrival to the next port and you're gonna impact you know, 3,898 people because two didn't come back on time. Uh, so we will go up to the room, we will check and see if there are passports, uh, you know, credit cards, medication, stuff like that, and we'll land that to the port agent. Uh, but in terms of packing their belongings for them, no, they can pick them up in LA. Okay. <laughs> Um, I have some questions for the captain now. Not back to fiction, just okay. questions. <laughs> uh, what is a particularly me particularly memorable voyage you've been on? Met my wife. Is it one? That's a good answer. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very memorable experience. Yes, the first uh, time also captain. Yeah. Also, uh, because the thing is. As a captain, you don't really drive the ship that much. Most of my officers are driving the ship, but the orders next to it and monitor it. Uh, so you have done this as a staff captain many hundred times stocking the ship, but you always have somebody else standing next to you watching it, right? <laughs> so the first time you're doing maneuvering the ship, but you are the captain, and all the responsibility is on yours. That's also a very important. But since I don't want to sleep on the couch, I go for my wife. That's the most memorable. What are the top three priorities as master of navigator in the seas? I mean, most important is always that are safe. If we don't have a safe operation, there is um, there's nothing left. That's like, it's not like the foundation. That's, that's everything. So that's the most important for sure. Um, we need to have a good guest experience. I mean, without guests here, I don't have a job. <laughs> so that's needless to say. And we need to have a good crew experience because if we don't have the crew happy, they will not come back and they will not deliver a good guest experience. Yep, 100%. <laughs> I think the first time ever you agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> as well, yeah, without caveats. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who who gets this question next. Um, how does a guest get to have dinner with you at the captain's table in the main dining room? I, I give it to you. 
mean, they can have dinner with me anytime. I'm, you know, <laughs> if someone tells me there's free food, I'm like, I'm in, that's fine. Um, I mean, actually, the captain's table on this ship doesn't actually exist anymore. We don't have a, a captain's table anymore. Obviously, you have the table that's in between the, the decks, which is actually chef's table now. Um, and, and, you know, the captain's table kind of was something that was probably on its way out pre-pandemic anyway, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And, you know, since that came along, it's, it's something that hasn't come back. There are some ships where you still do have that large table right in the middle on, on deck three, I think. But uh, certainly on here, we, we, we don't have the captain's table anymore. In terms of advice for, for passengers, what's the biggest mistake you see guests making on board the ship? It's something you wish they knew to enhance or better their experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think there's so much information out there these days that, you know, you really should plan ahead and, you know, use the, the tools that are at your disposal to kind of really avoid those kind of simple pitfalls, you know, it's like if someone comes on board and they're like, I'm going to get the drinks package, it's going to be amazing. It's like, well, you know, make sure you're fully committed to that. Because, you know, it's or just don't do it. Yeah. I don't know if I was on, if I was personally, if I was on vacation and I signed up for the drinks package, I'd be kind of like, okay, I've got to get value for money now. But the reality is I'd have one big night and then have to have five off to recover. So I, I certainly wouldn't get it. Um, but um, yeah, I think just really kind of use all these tools at your disposal to plan, use the app. You know, I mean, it's, it's really a great way now to, to really be able to plan out your days and you get some really good visibility ahead of the crew so you can see exactly what's going on to kind of map out your day, plan it. And uh, I think that's a really great introduction. Great. I mean, and your blog is very good. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I mean, choose, choose the right cruise. Yeah. Uh, if you choose a three-day cruise during school holidays, you can't be disappointed that there's a lot of kids running around. Yeah. If you choose, if you want to enjoy the pool deck, don't go to Alaska. There's many other reasons to go to Alaska, but don't for the pool deck. So do the research because the cruise is not the same. They are very different. And last question for you, Captain. Uh, very timely because we're now uh, start of hurricane season in the Atlantic, and uh, over here in the Pacific you have typhoons. But you know sometimes these hurricanes come over across Mexico and yep. impact here. Can you talk to us on a high level of what what do you get when the storm starts to appear? Like what's the timeline for you as a captain in terms of getting notified? Oh, there's a possibility of something, and kind of how that. You know, kind of the, the thought process, if you will, for approaching something like that. So, I would say maybe two weeks before, you can see on the models that there's something happening. But I mean, if you look at any weather forecast two weeks in advance, it's not like accurate. You, but you can see that there is maybe potentially something happening. Uh, and then you start monitoring it more and more. And then. Uh, a couple of days before turnaround, you really need to monitor what's happening. Uh, and a little bit different, different cruises when the decision has to be made uh, what to do. I mean, obviously we don't want to end up in a hurricane. That's that's a given. And I think we have changed as an industry. Ten years ago, it was much more of uh, we want to pump through it. And, uh, the ships can make it. Ships can take a tremendous lot of weather. Uh, but it just becomes an awful experience to be here. And who pays 
good money to be seasick for a week. And we can't uh, go into the ports, and we can't tender, and we can't serve food. It just becomes miserable. So, so we are much, much more conservative nowadays to sail around where than it was 10 years uh, ago. And then two or three days before a hurricane, you really need to make sure that you stay away from it. And a different port is different. At sea, it's much easier. Ports are differently. And if you have a tendering port like Cabo, it, it, you get much more affected uh, from the, as you said, when the hurricanes comes over, they, they do dig up the, the long swell from a, like a southeasterly direction, which is not good for tendering because then the swell comes in. So then you need to look into it much, much more to try to reverse and not be in Cabo that day. Good answer, it's good. <laughs> I, I just wait till I get a call from Captain. <laughs> Everything okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good, well I just want to take too much of your time, but I wanted to thank you for coming here and hosting us on this great cruise. The weather's been fantastic, and uh, it's it's been nice to be able to be on Navigator and, and share with everybody here. It's been a fantastic oh, cruise. Thanks thanks for choosing us for your pinnacle. We feel very privileged. Yes. Like so. Yeah, thank you. It's 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 been a great ship. Um, I love the Voyager class, and uh, it's been a while since I've been on Navigator, so it's just great to... They are nice ships. They are like... They're 20 years old now, but they are spectacular ships. They are so well built. Because when these ones were built, I mean the biggest ships in the world was like sovereign. They were like half the size. So there was no money spent. They had so much redundancy, so much power, and the quality on these ships is just outstanding. So I think any captain in the fleet would ask what's the best ship to as to like maneuver the voyager chance this one. Do you have, you have time for a couple of questions from the audience? Yeah for sure. Any questions for the captain or the hotel director? So this is my very first cruise, and so when we do the survey, um, do you guys actually see the comments about the crew and all of that? So how much do you guys really see on the surveys? Uh, yeah, we, we get really full, you know, we, we see them all, um, and we read every single comment. Uh, so no, absolutely, listen, the, the feedback is, is absolutely essential, we, it's what we learn from, it's what we kind of... Uh, you know, how we, we make sure that we are kind of moving with the times and, and listening to, to what our guests are telling us. And, you know, we always will try and make any adjustments we can to, to you know, when we get a lot of really good feedback and we're kind of really going, oh, that's, that's, a, really, that's a good idea. Why didn't we think of that? <laughs> you know, so it's great. And the crew love to, to see their name come up in the comments and, and they do get recognition on board for it. So we read it, we make sure they get, uh, you know, we have our kind of employee of the month, uh, Process. We have a lot of these things in place to recognize the crew for, for positive feedback, and they, they love to get it. So. Perfect. Because your crew is awesome. I I will be back just because of your crew. Thanks. Thank you. Yes, I 100% agree. The crew has been fabulous. Every single one I have dealt with has been helpful and beyond what I would expect. Or, you know, being, being what I consider a high level, yeah, that's been really great for me. Yeah, I mean, I think for us is you can have any hardware you want, but if the software is not there, then you know it doesn't work. So we're we're incredibly proud of the crew that we have. They work incredibly hard, and and you know they do a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, we always have a very simple theory here is that 
you know, if you have happy crew, then you have happy guests. Because if they love what they do, then, you know, it, it reflects into the service that they provide. Uh, hello, this is a question for the captain. So, how much of your time, captain, is spent captaining? And how much is spent doing these sort of things, uh, for want of a better term, public relations sort of stuff? Well, I think public relations, yeah, yeah. maybe... 10%? Yeah, it's not that much. Uh, then being on the bridge is not so much. That's, I mean, the thing is, everybody, when you become a captain, you do it because you want to drive a ship. Nobody has ever said, I want to be a captain because I want to sit with an Excel sheet and look at food costs. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not anybody's uh, desire. Uh, so that being on the bridge is maybe 20%, this is 10%, and then... 70% is just this entire operation. Yeah. To, uh, so you're, you're painting a picture that you don't have much to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 10% here, 20%, 70% is just, you know, whatever. Okay, let me rephrase. <laughs> Good morning. So, how do we take over the ship so we can bring it to Australia? <laughs> I did Australia for, uh, before I came to this one, I did uh, four years out of Australia with, with Ovation. So uh, I, I love the Australia run. The Australia New Zealand run is spectacular. I mean, the weather when you're crossing Tasman is not always at best. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Australia is spectacular and so is New Zealand. It's one of my favorite places to be down there. Just so far away. That's no, the only reason no, I'm going <laughs> Let's go next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, Captain Alistair, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. It's been wonderful thank, having you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Live on board the Royal Caribbean's Navigator of the Seas as part of the Royal Caribbean Blog Group Cruise 2023. And uh, here we are. Recorded in front of a live studio audience. That's a good laugh track, by the way. It's, it's like really authentic sounding. Take that little snip and put it to the side. Joining me on today's episode is Becky Menken from MEI Travel. Welcome, Becky. Thank you. It is great to be back and on another group cruise, and I'm so excited to be here. Yes. It's almost over. Not, not our first group cruise on Navigator. No. But our first one on the West Coast. Right. Yeah. And when I did my first West Coast cruise uh, in 21, I was really blown away by how fun this itinerary was. The seven-night one. Navigators, a lot of three and four nighters out of LA, which are great. But the seven night itinerary, um, I really thought was, it was such a different kind of experience and compelling and reasonably easy to get to. So I thought this would be a good fit for a group cruise. Especially for those of us on the West Coast, because we're constantly having to go to Miami. <clears throat> so to be able to do something that's within a two hour flight is pretty cool. But obviously, the Mexican Riviera is a lot different than the Caribbean, and it does have its own flair and its yeah. own experience and its own tastes and sounds. And I'm glad that we did it this time. Yeah, let's talk about you know some of the differences and nuances of cruising West Coast versus East Coast. Um, certainly, Port of Los Angeles is well. It's not really in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's near Los Angeles. It's easy to get to. It's less than an hour away from the airport, LAX. 
And if you can fly to one of the other airports like Long Beach. Long Beach. Yeah. Absolutely. It's hard. SNA. Yeah. yeah. Um, Orange County, SNA, John Wayne, all the same thing, F- FYI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you can fly to those airports, it's a little harder because I know JetBlue used to fly into Long Beach, now they fly to LAX. So there's most fly to LAX, but if you can, you would be doing yourself a big favor by flying into Long Beach or SNA or um, Absolutely. any other smaller airport that's closer to the yeah. port area. And you're avoiding the LAX constant construction because it's been mm-hmm. under construction now for about 10 years. Okay. And it's probably going to be under construction for 10 more. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, staying by the port, we stayed at the uh, Doubletree um, in San Pedro. San Pedro is the city where the uh, the cruise port is located. So when you're searching, you want, and there's multiple, there's like different cruise ports, right? Because Carnival goes out of a different... They go out of Long Beach. Long so Beach. Carnival's out of Long Beach, which Royal Caribbean, please take over that port because that's <laughs> awesome. Um, it's, it's beautifully located right next to the, the Queen Mary and a lot yeah. of things to do in that area. But... Um, it's not too far away. So Royal Caribbean, Celebrity, and somebody else, Princess, goes out of the port at San Pedro. Yeah. Show of hands, where, if you stayed in, I guess the two compelling places before I did show of hands, you'd either stay in San Pedro, like like where we stayed, or you stayed closer to the airport. Is probably where most people end up staying. Or Long Beach. Long Beach has a lot Long of Beach. great hotels as well yeah. without too far of a drive. Okay. So here, show of hands, uh, did you stay, who stayed at the, air, near the airport? LAX. Three. Okay. <laughs> San Pedro? Everybody. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing about staying near San Pedro is obviously to get to the to the cruise port the day of, you're a hop, skip, and a jump away. You still got to take a taxi, but you don't have to worry about LAX traffic. You don't have to worry about, um, you know, anything else really that's going to uh, impact you. As opposed to if you stay near the airport, then you got to, you know, especially on a weekday, right. it could be... Traffic around LA can be either a 30-minute commute or a three-hour commute, depending on the traffic. But the great thing about the San Pedro uh, resorts and hotels is that they, most of them, not all, but most of them have a free shuttle to the cruise port, so it does make it more convenient. Sure. Uh, The ship itself, Navigator, um, you know, very similar to Mariner Mm -hmm. Seas, more so than Explorer, Adventure, or Voyager. Um, the features are very similar. You've got some nuances. You know, Navigator is hooked, whereas Mariner has Hibachi. It's a lot of Izumi on board, but there's no Hibachi on here. The water slides on Navigator, I like them a lot better. And we, by the way, on the group cruise, we rented out the water slides so for, our, uh, for ourselves, and yeah. that was a really nice... Uh, no lines. Yeah. I had to go a little early, but it was perfect for this itinerary because... It gets warm when you get down into the Mexican Riviera, so that was a nice that, day. The weather is actually, that's a good thing to talk about. So, uh, the first day of the cruise, embarkation day, and the first sea day, very temperate, mild, I don't say cold, but it was not hot. And then as soon as we got to Cabo, somebody jacked up the temperature, and it was just like, <laughs> boom, instant snap the fingers. But then as soon as we left all the Mexican ports, Puerto Vallarta, boom, it was back to being uh, chillier again. So. You know, it's interesting, you gotta pack, it's it's not quite Alaska packing, but um, if you go in the winter, if you go, we're right now in June, mm-hmm. so this is, you know, this is definitely summer, but if you're going in other months of the year, you know, I'm not even talking December, I'm talking, you know, April, you're talking October, it's gonna be a, you know, you're gonna have to pack for both warm and yes. mild temperatures. And it can vary, because the jet stream around the Pacific is a little bit less predict- predictable, it can yeah. be a little higher, a little lower than you get in the Caribbean, so yeah, you, you kind of have to keep your eye on the 10-day forecast at all times and pack accordingly. Yeah, 
going back to Navigator, we had where we had ice skating again. Rented that out as part of the group, which was awesome. <laughs> that um, was fun to watch. Yeah, that was a. That was. <laughs> you have a much bigger appreciation for those skaters after you've had to get out on that ice. Yeah. And watching it, it was great though because you watched everyone start by holding onto the wall so gingerly and working their way around. And then by, I don't know, 20 minutes in, there's some people in the center that are doing spins, and I was looking for the triple lutz, but I didn't see anybody try that. <laughs> it's just, I, I really enjoy, one of the big things I love about the group cruises is these group opportunities, because we have the water slides, we have the rice skating, we did uh, in Cabo, it's a tender process, and if you've ever done a tender process, it's not fun from a guest perspective, because there's a lot of waiting and lines. Anyway, we were able to get a, a, a tender just for everybody in the group. Yeah, exactly. And benefits of doing groups. And yes. it can be small groups or large groups. We can always make those type of arrangements to make it special for those who attend with us. And we had we had Jamie's Italian for lunch. Yeah. We had a group um, lunch that was specifically just for our group. They'd set it up in tables of ten so we could all chat and be together for the lunch. It was really cool. Nice. What was your uh, what's been your favorite specialty restaurant on board? Okay, see, this is the hard part, but for me it's Azumi. I really, really love Azumi. Um, Chops was pretty good too this time around. I was pretty much impressed with that, but Azumi hands down. I think we've been twice now, and I might try to sneak in there again tonight. Yeah, I love Azumi too, but I'm a big sushi fan, so that's probably not a surprise. I like Jamie's as well, but something about the sushi just... Uh... Exactly. It's not just sushi, though. That's, that's a, a that's lot true. of people don't understand that, but... It, it's not just sushi, they do have chicken teriyaki, they have other dishes that are um, good for any taste, and we even have some people with some food allergies and some gluten, and we're able to accommodate that as well. So sure. um, I really do like that as a choice. For ports, let's go through the ports here. Uh, Cabo San Lucas was our first port stop. Uh, once we got on there, um, I had a very nice day uh, on the water. Yeah, what did you do, man? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you did. We rented a boat, you know, a it wasn't boat, really a anything small much. Boat? Oh, small boat. Boat. How big was the boat? Yeah. You know, we, I, it doesn't really matter the numbers. Uh, it's not about that. Didn't we, they have a private pool on that? I mean, song? you know. Really? We had a very nice time. There are many opportunities in port. Um, but, You're going to put uh, pictures in the show notes, right? Just uh, No, that's okay. I don't, don't need to get into too many details. But it's interesting because the last time we were in Cabo, it was whale season. In the winter, it's whale season down here. Um, and then, so this time it's not whale season because they're up in Alaska. Um, so whale watching can come in the winter is fantastic. Um, but you know, there's a lot to do on the water. There's a lot of boats on the water. And then you also have what's in town, Cabo Wabo, which is a bit of a tourist trap, admittedly, but... It's a must-do, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it's a, it's a thinking man's, um, I was say Carl's and Charlie's, but the other place, uh, send your frogs. Uh, but there's also a lot, it's a nice town. The nice thing, nice thing about all the ports is they're very approachable, easy to walk through. That's what I love about Mexico in general. That's what I like about the East Coast, Cozumel, Costa Maya, uh, I'm sure Progressive's like this as well. It's nice to be able to just walk into town, great food, oh, yeah. uh, very welcoming people. Um, it's, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. So, you know, Cabo I think is one of those places, If it, uh, while I say that it's very easy to walk around, I think it's definitely a port you want to plan something for. Yes. More so than just winging it. Um, so definitely want to just, you know, have a plan in place. Unless you want to go to Cabo Wabo and just stay there, <laughs> which a lot right. of people do. They'll yes. go and, yeah. and partake of all of the 
the tastings there and yep. then head back to the ship. But yeah, there's a lot to do in the port. And it's it's actually my favorite port of the three because there's a there's a lot of excursions you can do, but you can also walk around, shop. It's it's very um, tourist friendly. Yes. In the locations, and uh, there's a a lot of um, a lot of things to do. And definitely one tip for Cabo: when your ship sails, and we didn't dock, we dock, we tendered, but we didn't anchor until like noon. Um, you sail right past the the arch. arch. I'm, I'm sure the name of the arch is, but the the really famous thing and so if you don't feel compelled you need to do an excursion to see it because you will sail literally right past it it's um, beautiful yeah that's Just great be out on deck or be on your on your balcony if you're on that yep. side because it's great for pictures Mazatlan we did a group excursion um, and in Mazatlan we were uh, sailing on the shoreline which was nice um, it was also the surface of the sun hot in Mazatlan <laughs> um, being June so it was quite warm but it was uh, you know Mazatlan uh, it's a city. I mean, it's you know, Cabo is a is a city, but I mean, Mazatlan is really a city. It's it's just, it's pretty big, and there's the old city. There's I guess the new city. I don't know what you call it. Um, and uh, for there, we we did the group excursion. It was only about an hour and a half or so, so we had plenty of time to go do other things. And so we went downtown. Uh, I tried to find the most authentic Mexican food that had air conditioning. That was my, uh, <laughs> I was willing to sacrifice authenticity in exchange for So did you just walk from place to place and poke your head in and see if it was cool? Oh no, I did Google Translate. Okay. Uh, Donde esta uh, la comida y air acondicionada? Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Muy air acondicionada. Yeah, see, no problema, senor. How was, how was the food? You know, it was, it was fine, but the air conditioning was fantastic. I, I really... <laughs> Really, really good. So it was nice. It's a if you can come in the winter months or just not summer, it's a great city to walk around. Mm-hmm. I mean, just um, this is really your walking city more than I think the other ports. There's a lot of cool things to do. Uh, there's the cliff divers, which I didn't see them actually diving, but they do have cliff divers in Mazatlan, which is a really nice um, thing. It's something you don't find on the east coast of Mexico. Yeah, it's traditional. It's, yeah, it's a traditional thing from the Mexican Riviera that. Uh, became very popular from the love boat when they came down to Acapulco because oh. that's kind of where that whole cliff typing thing started yeah. and uh, they moved it up into Mazalon which is is a neat thing to watch sure or nerve-wracking depending mm-hmm. on how you feel about it uh, Puerto Vallarta um, Puerto Vallarta honestly strikes me like the United States I mean I, it looks a lot like the US looks, maybe because Walmart is across the street when you're not there let's be honest when you pull in and you open up your shades and you look and there's a Walmart and a Sam's Club so if you need anything it's yes. just a really quick jaunt out to go grab it but it's a beautiful area I mean there's just it, tons of resorts evidently from a West Coaster standpoint this is like their it's a hot spot for West Coasters to come it is. Uh, fly in and do like a you know week or weekend or yeah, whatever. Puerto Vallarta is huge for like a week-long vacation here. Cabo and Puerto Vallarta are usually the two places we send most people for land stays. Yeah. We did a resort for a day, uh, which is my favorite go-tos in any port. Um, just a day pass to a resort, get there, um, you know, and, and the nice thing was the, uh, you know, obviously the food and drink are included in the, in the one we went to. Not all of them included, but most do include. Usually it's all-inclusive. Um, they had great air conditioning in the buffet, I gotta say. <laughs> it was nice. We know what you really like, right? It's, a, it's just, a it was so hot. It's a little boat with a private pool on it, and of course, air conditioning. Yes, it's not a lot to ask. <laughs> but the uh, the cool thing about Puerto Vallarta, and all the ports in general, is just the elevation that surrounds you. Yes. That's really something you don't see on the East Coast at all. It's like, you're when you're in the ocean, uh, especially in Puerto Vallarta, 
you know, you see the uh, the vista, the uh, you can see the mountains all around you, which is really neat. It looks a lot like Hawaii. It reminded me of Hawaii when you when you sail around the islands. You're looking at these beautiful green mountains that are kind of around you. So, um, yeah, the the terraforma is very impressive yes. going in and out of Puerto Vallarta. And we had some great events on board the ship. You know, we do group cruises. We try to get together at least like once a day to do something. It's not like a, hey, let's spend seven days together and like kumbaya, hold hands and all that stuff. It's uh, it's definitely more of a, you know. Put people on dangerous blades and let them, you know, go around the circus. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we, had, we had a lot of fun. Uh, we, of course, did a yeah. pub crawl on board. Those we, were fun. All right, how, who enjoyed the pub crawl? Yeah. I, I will say I was really impressed by that whole rainbow thing. I yeah. still don't know how they did it. Uh, it's probably simple, but it was really fun to watch. It was really cool. They, they did it in the bamboo room. They did a rainbow shot, but it was basically they mix it all in a um, what is it called a, a shaker. Like, shaker, and they poured it out. But as they poured it out, the color changed in each shot glass, which was really cool. Yeah, so. I don't know what magic uh, voodoo they use, but it was Some impressive. Kind of Mexican magical voodoo going on in that room, and yeah, that was really cool. Lady. That was really neat. So uh, we've done that, and then we've uh, had we you know we're obviously recording a podcast here, and some of the events we talked about earlier, you know, the ice skating, uh, water slides. Um, it's 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 been it's it's just a it's a fun time to get to know everybody. Um, we've been doing group cruises now for. Uh, a long while. time. Yeah. I mean, the last one, Navigator, was 2017. So that's almost seven years ago. We must have done... The first one was like Quantum. I remember. Quantum was 2014 or 15? 15. 15? So, look. yeah, we're coming up on 10 years of... Wow. Yeah. But what's cool about it is that we... And I've talked to some people about this, is that we have a core of people that come on a lot of group cruises, and we get some people that we meet on cruises, and they kind of join in. So it's kind of like a... Um, it's like a funnel, if you will, and it's great because we get to meet new faces, uh, see some friendly faces along the way, and it's it's a really cool thing. It, it reminds me a lot also of like a, a rock concert. It's like oh, I saw the you know I saw the Zeppelin in '72, and it's like what well, I, I was on Navigator in '17. Uh, so you know it's like you know it's and, and the funny thing is actually some of you have way more group cruise t-shirts that I do. <laughs> and, you know, and it's like, you know, it's kind of a, it's a badge of honor. Yes, you know? it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's really cool too, like for me, I know that you, you're reading everything in the lives really fast and you're, you're going through questions, but se several of us chat um, to each other in the lives and we never met. So this was a great ex example at Pascal. I'd never met yeah, Pascal, same. but we chat all the time. And it's neat to meet people in person and have this opportunity to say, oh my gosh, that's what you look like. Um, and then to hang out and have a beverage now and then. Uh, the group cruises are amazing for that. I just I just feel bad for some of the first time cruises like Amber and Joyce. Like they must think this is how all the cruises are. <laughs> <laughs> well, but like, some are. What, what's the difference, really? Yeah, leaning out on the next ship, you're like, man, this, I mean, they're still having a good time. Like, man, this is boring. Where's everyone? <laughs> Not quite the same. So, anyway, uh, of course, if you're thinking to yourself, gee whiz, I would love to come on a group cruise because this sounds like a lot of fun. We have three more on the books right now. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, uh, Serenade of the Seas out of Boston right. in October of 2023. And then we have uh, the Rhapsody of the Seas Panama Canal, which is going to be awesome, mm -hmm. uh, in March of 24. And of course, Icon of the Seas in July of 2024 as well. June. June. Yes. And hopefully we'll have a, an, another one after we talk later on today before we leave. 
don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> but uh, check out realcomedyblog.com slash events. I hope you can join us on them because they're a lot of fun. It's just so cool to be able to do these things. And um, I'm just, thank you everybody for being here because it's just, you know, I always book group cruises and I'm like, well, if it's just me on the cruise, then I'll enjoy the cruise. But it's so gratifying and so much fun to have you on. You make it so much more interesting. Um, and getting to know everybody and hanging out. I love it. So thank you all so much for being here and being a part of the fun. Thank you. you. All right, time for listener emails. This is part of the episode where I read the emails you've sent in and answer them in a semi-timely manner. Um, And of course, we're recording this still on the Navigator that sees group crews and we have some friends will be reading the email, so uh, when you come up here and read, just say your name so people know who you are, and, um, <laughs> and, that's it, and then read the email. Hi, my name is Lorelai. This email comes from Terry Howard. They say, hi Matt, thanks for providing so much useful info about World Caribbean Cruising. I have a question that I'm having trouble finding any info about online. My husband and I will be diamond after our next cruise in September. In addition, we are both prime level for Club Royale. We have each used an offer for another cruise in October in which my daughter and her family are going with us. So to book with our offers, we did the following. Use my offer for a stateroom for myself, my daughter, and granddaughter. Use my husband's offer for a stateroom for my husband and son-in-law. After the offer applied, we're all just paying taxes and fees and gratuities for our trip. So now, my sister and niece are wanting to go with us. Obviously, I would love to get them some type of discount if possible. Is there a friend or family discount for Diamond slash Prime? What is your suggestion to get them the best discounted price for their booking? Have you experienced this kind of scenario? Any suggestion? Much appreciated. Thanks. Terry. That's a good question. Thank you for the question. Um, I don't believe so. Uh, the casino stuff is for the... You have to have someone in the room. That's why they booked it that way. It's got to be the, whoever gets it, that offer needs to be in the room. You can always rearrange your rooms once you get on board the ship, but what you did in the beginning, Terry, is exactly the way to go. But there's no... These, Royal Caribbean used to have a referral thing where if you brought someone who'd never cruised before, you got like some onboard credit. I don't remember what it was. It's been gone now for a number of years, even before the pandemic. Um, but there's no other... Becky, I'll defer to you here. Yeah, the, there's no others. I, I would suggest maybe checking with the travel agent, obviously, to see if they have access to a, a special price, which we do have access to pricing now and then. Um, there are sometimes friends and family offers that are out there. Currently, I saw one recently, but it did expire. So I think your best bet is to check with a professional who has access to those special group bookings that might offer a discount plus an onboard credit. My name is Amber, and I have an email here from Ben. Hi, Matt. My wife and I are going to St. Thomas for the first time on the Oasis of the Seas next year in April. Doing some research, I believe that the Oasis, due to its size, is forced to port in a different area of St. Thomas than most other cruise ships. This port seems less desirable because it's far away from the normal walking distance items like the Skyride and other tourist attractions near the Haven Site Port location. Needless to say, this was disappointing because now I don't think I'm going to be able to simply get off the ship and walk around. Is my assessment accurate? Do I need a cab or excursion to do anything fun from this port location for Oasis? What would you recommend? Thanks, Ben. So that's a good question. Um, your assessment is semi-accurate. 
Um, so it's interesting because Roker used to dock and have in sight many, many years ago. And I always looked at it as a negative because have in sight is off to the side of St. Thomas. Where they dock now is uh, Crown Bay, which is located much closer to downtown. Now, to that point, you're right. There's really nothing near the correct the cruise port, and you need to take a taxi or some sort of a shuttle service to the downtown. You can't walk off the ship. There is some shopping there, like every cruise port, but there's not like in Habitside. Yes, you could walk to the uh, to the uh, Skylift, the Mountain View thing, um, and some other things. But you know, there was more tourist trap stuff around you. But to do anything, Megan's Bay, uh, Charlotte Malier, you know almost anything else you were doing as a tour. I mean, yes, you could theoretically walk it, just like you could theoretically walk from Crown Bay to downtown Charlotte Malier. I would recommend it. Uh, but, you know, it, it's more of the same. I would argue that, in my opinion, Crown, um, Crown Bay is better because you're closer to downtown. You're also, I think, slightly closer to Megan's Bay for the way that the roads are, are set up over there. So I don't look at it as, I don't think it's a, it's a negative. I think it's almost an upgrade. Because, again, when Royal used to dock and have in sight, I think it was more of the, uh, more of the, oh, we're over here kind of thing. So it's, you know, uh, what is it, six of one, half, half a dozen of another. I don't know if there's really any disadvantage or advantage um, other than maybe your cab fare might be cheaper in Crown Bay to downtown, but, you know, it's, don't worry about it is what I would say. It's not really a major uh, deal breaker by any means. Next is the long one. Oh, great. <laughs> Hi, I'm Maiden. This is from Lisa Davis. Hi, Matt. Thank you for your blogs and YouTube videos. They are informative and fun. We recently sailed in May 2023 on Wonder of the Seas, and here are some things that I tweet paying attention to. So my next cruise is better. One, pay attention to what our fellow travel cruisers enjoy on the cruise. An example, we have sailed on the Lower Harmony Symphony and now wonder. Expecting the same amazing experience, it wasn't quite that. We forgot to take, take stock in the fact that our children were now well into their late teens and 20s and enjoyed more mature activities. They did want to do the water slides, kid stuff, and wanted to attend the later shows, karaoke, and enjoy the sports at Playmakers. This helped us decide to actually pick cruises with different ports to take less stock in the boat. Let's, let's talk about that one for a second. Too, because there's, there's a lot in here in this email. You can read the next book if you a break here for a second. Um, of course, this goes back to one of my favorite tips, which is, you know, when you're planning a cruise, no matter what it is, people ask, you know, is this a good ship or is that a good ship? Especially when you're hopping between classes, just understand what the ship offers, what it doesn't offer, what amenities it has, and what's appealing or not appealing to you. So, you know, certainly a different experience. Yes, absolutely. That. I think that makes a lot of sense. Number two. Review the main dining room menu on the RC app prior to sailing, and then, and you can easily have a dinner plan in advance. The new main dining room was not for us, it, and if I would like liken it to a restaurant in the U.S., I would say, except an Applebee's. Cheddar's. Cheddar's, typically, typical American restaurant feel, and 
My opinion, RC has slightly downgraded the main dining room experience to push cruisers they to their specialty dining menus. I think there's I think the first part I agree with is that you know you want to look at the menu, see what's appealing to you. That's just a general good generally good idea. Um, what restaurant that you compare to Applebee's or not? I mean, I don't know what Rilker really aims for. I think that's I think some people's and then no offense to the what's the what's this person's name? Lisa. Lisa. No offense to you, Lisa. I mean, I think the the expectations I've heard all sorts of expectations of what the dining room should be. Some people really think it should be a five star Michelin experience. Some people think it should be exactly what it was in the nineteen seventies. Um, which I, things change, things evolve. It's not going to be the. It can't be everything to everybody, right? Um, but I think there's something for everybody out there. And I think that since I've been cruising, the dining room has always strived to be uh, a, a, a wonder, an inviting experience with a variety of food. And the menus have changed now for me three times, I think, um, since I started cruising. And I, even at Applebee's, they change their menus <laughs> periodically. Um, so I think that. It's a, let's go back to what Lisa's original point was. You know, look at the menus. It's a really good tip. You can see them in the app um, and get an idea. And if there is, we did the same with the old menus. You know, there was um, my wife particularly didn't enjoy one of the old menus. There was always um, uh, I forget if it was Caribbean night or something like that. There was just something on there that wasn't like a ton of appeals. We'd always plan, especially restaurants, on that day. So number three, grab a snack at the buffet around eight forty-five. The buffet closes closes at 9 p.m. with only pizza left as an option. Grab a piece of fruit or fries, etc. if you're going to be out at a show or kissing a lake. That's a really good tip, actually, and I uh, I think, I was talking to Pippa earlier about this, that you you went to go, this, that was when you went to see the, the rugby match? You went to the Windjammer to get food to bring back to your room? It's a really good idea because the Windjammer does close pretty early, like 9, depends on your shift, sometimes it's as late as 9.30, but if you are planning a late night, you know, some food will sit pretty well, um, you know, and, and you can bring it back to your room. There's no problem taking food back, so that's a good tip. Number four, get your shore excursion towels at the night before. Yes, there are towel stations at the gangway, but we found people were irritated with the ones that were stopping to get towels because it, it caused a backup. This way, your bag is packed the night before. A lot of cruisers are getting off the ship, especially on the large boats. And while RC is efficient. efficient at getting cruisers off, it's one less thing when you're in a large crowd. It's a great tip. I never remember to do that. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm on deck seven. I'm not going up to deck 11 to get a tool towel. I'll get it later when, you know, I'll get it later, get it later. And then of course, oh, there's fine. There'll be towels on the gangway. So. Number five, always take the stairs when going down. You get to see a lot of cool artwork and you aren't waiting at, on an elevator. Very true. I think the elevators on this cruise ship have not been very bad at all in terms of weights. Um, it's been, I've been lucky. I was on Anthem and it wasn't too bad. And, no. Uh, no? No. What? Your mileage may vary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually the polar opposite. I've had a lot of weights where I'm, I'm located, so... Yeah, okay, one way or the other. But this also proves another um, truth about cruising, just in general. We have two different experiences with the elevators, right? So when you read a negative review of a ship that you have or have not been going on, just remember people have different experiences, and this is a great example of that. So one more in there. Um, number six. Good. 
All cruisers have a passport. New debarkation. Debarkation stations that scan your face instead of showing your passport. Make it quick and easy to disembark. Disembark cruisers with the birth certificates are right. routed to customs. Yeah, I mean, this is something we've talked about for years now. It's even more important. Cruise with the passport. Absolutely true. So, thank you, Maeve. Appreciate that. Uh, next. Anyone else want to? This one's <laughs> significantly less. My name is Mason. It says, Matt. Our second family cruise plan for this fall, Oasis of the Seas, and so I'm starting to ramp up my research and then listening to your podcast and watching your videos. My question for you is about getting a travel agent. I know you're a fan of them, but we are we already booked our cruise, but still need airfare and travel from start to finish. Plus, we're thinking about doing two days in New York City before the embark at Port Liberty. Do you think a travel agent is still a good idea? What's the best way to find one? Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. Um, this is a really good question. I get this all the time. And uh, Jennifer, can I ask you to come up here and answer this one? Because I think <laughs> this is, I can I, I answer this many times. I'd love to hear your thoughts. This is a very common question. People, yeah. you know, it's one thing to book a cruise, but there's a lot of, oh, I'm doing add-ons, I'm doing this and that. And where are the, the so Jennifer Kellen, who you're about to hear, uh, is a travel agent at MEI Travel. I will say this, number one, if you want to find a good travel, good travel agent, it's not good. Always ask for personal experiences. You know, um, talk to friends and family who have a travel agent that they use that they can recommend. I mean, online reviews are a dime a dozen, right? We all know that. Um, but if you can talk to somebody who has a personal experience and a recommendation, that goes so much further than anything else. Um, so that's always a good way to do it. And number two, when, when if someone comes to you, Jennifer, and says, hey, you know, I, I want to book a cruise, like get that Matt talks about, you know, booking with a travel agent, and we've talked about the benefits of that, you know, the, the service and all that. But what about other things? Like, you know, is it, should they, because I think the thought process is, oh, I'm gonna also do a couple days here, I need a rental car, airfare, I'm just better off doing it on my own. We'd be happy to help you from beginning to end. Um, if you already have the cruise booked, there's opportunities to transfer that possibly to us so we can help you with that if it hasn't been booked too many days ago, 30 days. Um, but there are opportunities where we can still help you with your add-ons as well. If you need a little pre-stay, We've been there. We've been to most of these ports and can help you with the air, the pre-stay, the post-stay, make recommendations on excursions and things like that too. It's, and, and LA is a great example of that because you know I can you know rattle off hotels on, in Florida very easily, but here I was like, well, I don't know where do I stay, you know? And you know, you might not book it for them because you know the, the problem is um, airlines, hotels, they don't give commissions to travel agents, but the but you can still say, hey, by the way, you know, put you in the right direction, kind of stuff, and that's always very very helpful. So there's. The, the service is really why you book with the travel agent. People sometimes get hung up on, well, how much more credit do I get? Or is there a discount? Which is nice. Sometimes there are those things exist, but it's that experience, that 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 service that you get that really can make a difference. So, thank you, Jennifer. Can I add to that? Yeah. Quick. Um, a couple things that people don't understand, and I always like to point this out, is that when you do use the services of a travel agent, you vet them like you do anybody, uh, your accountant, your lawyer, your doctor. You want to make sure that you are connected to that person that's going to have your credit card number and care about where you stay and all the nuances of your family's needs. Um, make sure you ask the question, do you charge fees? Uh, that's one of the big pieces that's different between different travel agents. There are some out there who do. They charge planning fees. That's part of, of their revenue. 
there's others like us, I mean, on travel, that do not charge any fees. So you're paying at least the exact same amount if you book direct. Um, however, the other thing people don't understand is that we also have access to, um, to rates that you will never see online. So we have a consortia that we work with that grabs about 200 days a year of group pricing. So it's not on every ship, but it is definitely out there, and sometimes it can save up to a thousand dollars a cabin, so and more. Yep. So there's a, a lot of um, a lot of benefits. Great, thank you. Next person. Go. Yeah. This question is actually be for you, Becky. Oh. <coughs> Have a seat. Here you go. Say your name. Oh, Marcus. <clears throat> Marcus. Hello, Matt. I will be cruising out on out of. Seattle last week of July on ovation. ovation of the seas going to Alaska. My check in time is at 10.30 a.m. Should I, should I plan on arriving at the port 30 minutes or, or so early? I would like to beat the crowds if possible. My hotel is near the SeaTac mm -hmm. airport, so I'm expecting some traffic to the port. <laughs> also, when returning from Alaska, we are staying at the same hotel near the airport. We were waiting to explore Seattle, Seattle that day as well. Any tips or tricks on transportation? to and from port thanks awesome so see i'm giving you the question so yeah. seattle uh seattle is where i'm from that's, that's what i'm sitting here with my when he's talking about traffic it's like oh my gosh um our city is like yellow we're driven in time by traffic so if you're staying at the SeaTac airport area your best bet is actually if you're not taking the hotel train or the, the cruise line transfer the same day is to uber it really is uber or lyft um, to your hotel or from your hotel downtown if that's where you want to go. Uh, I would give it from that location anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour uh, if it's morning time in the commute time uh, to get down to the port in time and there is a large backup usually so if you're getting there early in that 10 or 10 30 it's not as bad as it could be so it's better to get there early line up hang out with everybody before you check in when you're disembarking there is a service uh called luggage luggage that's not luggage free it's luggage something thank you uh they are really good about taking luggage and transporting it to the airport which we've done before and it's gone flawless. Locking on wood, no one has lost the luggage yet. But it's good to check in with that, and then you can go explore the city and then head to the airport. So that works really well. The one question that I always get all the time about where should I stay in Seattle, I'm going to give you two, because they are the closest, best, that have the Pacific Northwest charm right on the waterfront. If you're going in a couple of days early so you can enjoy the area, the Edgewater is my favorite by far. As a matter of fact, for my agency, we're taking everybody to there so they can see the, the hotel for our fam coming up. The other one is the Marriott Waterfront. And everything is within a walking distance to the waterfront. You can also easily take an Uber down to Pipe's Place if you want to catch a fish. 
and you can also walk up to the Space Natal area from those locations, and they are the closest hotels to the port, which is about a 20-minute drive. We have time for one more question. Someone else wants to read it? That hasn't read it? No. Okay. Uh, maybe why don't you come back up? It's much shorter. <laughs> This one's from Sydney Myers. Hi Matt, I love your podcast and we've been listening for many years. What can you tell me about duck, the ducks? I've seen Facebook posts about people hiding and finding rubber ducks. When did that become a thing? I've been cruising since 2011 and it's new to me. Thank you for the information, Sydney. Yeah, this is a, definitely a recent phenomenon, um, and uh, it's something that's changed over the years. You know, I, I don't remember when it started, certainly in the last couple of years. I think it's like pre-pandemic, though. It wasn't yeah, a... It's a long... It's been a, way, a long... Yeah. Basically, as I recall, there was somebody who decided to start... Um, they've always had in on the cruise ships Plucky Ducky, and there's a little machine. It's a claw machine where you get and you win a duck and things like that. And so, I don't know if that evolved there, but basically people started hiding these rubber ducks around the ship. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you guys remember the Where's My George or Where's George, the thing with the dollar bills, where you could, back in the old days of the internet, you could scan the, you put in the, the, the serial number for the dollar bill, and you could see where that dollar bill's been around, and people would register it. And it was kind of like this. Oh, this website is great. <laughs> Evidently, it starts back in 2015. But this was the kind of idea, and then there was a Facebook group that was basically like, if you find this duck, take a photo with it and post it in the group. And the idea, again, was that it would, and it was your choice whether to hide it, again, for somebody else or to keep it to yourself. And um, it's kind of evolved, there's been many groups, it's become, I mean, I said some people now, I felt like some people come with like three or four, and there are people that go to like, you know, Amazon, and they buy a hundred ducks, and they tag them, and they put them all over, and. You know, for our kids, it's been a really fun experience. They enjoy finding them. I don't know that they did. Like, at first, it was really competitive about who could get the ducks, and it became a, a collection. Now, I think it's more the, the thrill of the hunt. And once you find the duck, it's like, yeah, whatever. You know, I don't necessarily need to keep them all. But it's a fun thing for kids, and the adults seem to, some people seem to enjoy hiding them. So, you know, it's a harmless thing to do, and more power to the people. Not my thing, but, you know, that's uh, it's something neat. Uh, for, for some families to enjoy. So, yeah, um, if you're interested in looking for it, I would say go to a Facebook group. If you just search for cruising ducks or cruise ship ducks, you'll find a ton of groups that are out there and they all do these kinds of things. So, thank you, Maeve. Thank you, everybody, for uh, checking out this episode of the podcast. Of course, you can email your questions by sending to Matt, M A T T, at royalcrimeanblog.com. And until the next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. <laughs>